everyone, I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi, everyone. Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing, and welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Jules Ostara. Jules is an author, artist, and guide for fun online courses. She also created the Heart of Life and Soul Song Oracle Card decks. She lives in the Blue Ridge Mountains with twin boys, a guitar man, and a few feisty cats. So welcome, Jules. Thank you so much for having me, Larissa. I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. You are part of our A Year in Color. You are part of our Oracle Card Creation Summit. So uh, we've worked together a few times. But for Mm -hmm. those who don't know, can you share some of your story and the path that's brought you here? Sure. And I don't think I've shared this in any of those either. So it'll be a little different Um, because I was thinking we're talking about creativity and it really makes me think about creative living. And there was a time in my life when I kind of um, lost touch with creativity and that impacted everything, (laughs) you know, that was, it had a ripple effect right into the way that I was living and all, and so, so many things, what I chose to do for a career, all of that. And I thought at the time when I was going through, you know, now my kids are 16, when I was about that age, it's a tough time, right. To figure out what direction you're going and how you're going to pay the bills and all that kind of stuff. And so I went a practical route or what I thought was a practical route, you know, the voices and and advice that we get and lost touch with creativity because I put away what I thought were childish things, my art supplies. So when I had kids in 2004, I had an excuse to get them back out and play with them. And so that was where my path re restarted, reborn, we, you know, came back, was revived. My creativity was revived at that time. And it was pure play with no expectations or any career ambitions at that time. It was just with kids that were learning kind of preschool-ish, you know. And then when my mom passed away a few years later, it shifted into really realizing the healing benefits and power that, you know, potential of creativity. And again, it was still purely for personal uh, reasons. And I've experienced how much value there is in that. And that has, is what has motivated me to share it in a more public manner and also in memory of my mom, but I've learned how much so many of us have a similar story, even if the details are different. And being able to encourage others now in that and give permission, like no one should need my permission, but we need someone to, sometimes we need someone to remind us that it's okay to play with our supplies or to explore all of our emotions that way. So that's how I've kind of 
it's been kind of a curvy path to here. <laughs> That's a bit of my journey. Yeah, it it's so true about people needing permission. And it's sad, but we we are trained in school and you know, just growing up that it is, um, it's a toy and, you know, Mm -hmm. you can't make a living out of it. You can't, you know, you don't need it, but creativity is so important in our lives Mm -hmm. for so many things. And some of, some of the bigger companies are now realizing how important creativity is, um, and, and how much that's needed, but then also the healing aspects of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's, that's so important. And I love that it has seemed to expand the awareness of it and has been growing and growing in the last couple decades. You know, I've seen art therapy growing and so many things that companies are, you know, like you said, companies recognizing it, schools giving more attention to it. And that's a really I think that's a really positive shift or recognition to, to be doing for our, our communities in general. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So on that topic, then what does healing with creativity mean to you? Hmm. I was thinking about it. And the first thing for me that came to mind was freedom or liberation, because I think we get conditioned and we start putting ourselves in trying to fit ourselves into whatever, you know, image that we think we're supposed to be, how we're supposed to dress, how we're supposed to look, how we're supposed to behave, you know, all these shoulds. And for me, creativity, whether it's painting or dancing or writing, there's so many ways we can do it is a place to be free, to let anything be okay, you know, to explore, to experiment. Those are the first things I was doing with my kids when they were so little was exploring and experimenting with things. And they have had pure freedom. You know, they didn't have a thought about it. And I've watched, we homeschool. And even though they don't go to a regular school, had never have, I've watched them still change to have these expectations of what their creativity should be like even though they weren't taught that intentionally, you know, they weren't graded on art or anything like that over the years, but it's part of our culture and they've picked it up whether or not we intentionally did it that way. And so we've made efforts to keep the freedom to continue to encourage that because I went kind of like this, you know, through a path of having that freedom when we're young and then going into the boxes and feeling like, you know, coloring inside the lines, if you will, (laughs) in whatever way that is. And then saying, eh, who needs that? (laughs) There's a way bigger world than that there and coming back to that freedom. So liberation and healing that part of ourselves that needs a place that it's safe to just be in all of our quirky, you know, whatever, and all the emotions, it's okay to put them there because it's not projecting necessarily, especially if it's just for us, you know, now if we're sharing it publicly, then I might think more about that sometimes, but when it's a place that's safe space for us to create and to just let it all flow, that is a healing thing to me, to be able to do that, to have a place for that. So the canvas is a little bit of a therapist for me sometimes. (laughs) I so agree with that. I so agree with that. And I, I think, you know, when we allow ourselves to create and especially without judgment, mm-hmm. that's when the healing really can happen. Right. Mm-hmm. But we have to work through all of that because of the way we've been conditioned. Mm-hmm. 
And, and that makes it really hard for a lot of people. And yeah. also it's a place where we can start to listen and tune in for the inner because we get so bombarded with external messages that being able to have a place to even hear our own you know, thoughts is mm-hmm. valuable. There's healing just in that that takes place because if we're so out of touch with that, then I know from my own experience, I started to become more numb and I wasn't living in the fullness of what I was capable of in terms of vitality and presence and that kind of thing in, within my life. Yeah, that's so true. It's so true. And, and so with the work that you do, like, do you work with clients or do you just sell your work? Um, I do classes and I do, I do various things. <laughs> I do some commissions. So if someone commissions me, then obviously I'm working more one-on-one with someone potentially that way. I do a lot of collaborative work. At least I'm working on doing more of that. And so that also makes me work with people in different ways. And then I also host classes, online classes. So I work with clients that way. And usually it's in a more um, group setting, small group setting, Mm -hmm. but it could be one-on-one depending on the situation and what's, what's happening within the Mm -hmm. class at that time. And, you know, if people have questions, I'm always available for that. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just thinking with, with the work that you do, because I, you know, I've, I've seen the classes, I've seen Mm -hmm. the cards and, and all of that. So um, I was just thinking about the work that you do, what, what is the most inspirational part of that for you? Oh, that's a tough question. That goes through so many different, um, different seasons, you know? So sometimes it's the collective collaborative energy that can be really inspiring because especially as artists, we can be very solo in our studios practice. And so I need that community and that in touch and that collaboration. And especially since also my family homeschools and we work from home, like I needed even a little bit more maybe because of that. And I do some in-person retreats and that kind of thing as well. And that's also a really kind of bonus joy. And that inspires me when I get to do that. It's been less recently um, with everything going on and then nature, anytime that I need to get out and just get a breath of fresh air, quite literally, that's my go-to and I, the patterns, the colors, the seasons, you know, all the senses can come alive when, when I step outside. So that is a big source of inspiration as well. Yeah. I think, I think creatives really understand the necessity of nature, if you will, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not just this pretty background. It's like part of who you are because you need it for your creativity. Mm -hmm. Because almost all creatives I talk to say that nature is a big part of, it's very interesting. I hadn't really thought about it until you just said it now. And I was like, it seems to be an answer that everybody gives. And I Uh I think it's because it's necessary. It is. And I think it's a, it's a breathing thing for me. It's part of the taking in and not just taking in from a screen. So, you know, how do we have input? Cause we, we have so much output. How do we balance that with healthy in, you know, taking in and 
the breath and the fresh air and the natural, like mother nature as an artist, right. For inspiration and all the shapes and patterns and all the things that are available that way. I don't like getting bit by bugs and that kind of thing. So there are a few downsides. The bugs really like me for some reason, but I, but even they can be so inspiring because they're so funky in their shapes and their <laughs> colors and their sounds and all of that. So, you know, it's, it's the well, that's the well that I draw from that it needs when I need to refill my well, I guess is what I should say. That's the place to go. And there are people too, who I think of as I know are going to cheer me on. I pay attention to the kinds of people I surround myself with. And even if I don't know them, it might be a poetry book that, you know, or music or whatever it is that is, I know is going to be refreshing or inspiring or just feel good, you know, put on a feel good song, whatever it is. But I like to have the nature balance so that it's not all something that's human. Sometimes I need a fresh perspective and getting a new, a little bit away from our cultural ideas and biases and beliefs can help with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really important. I really do. And, and also to be able to hear your own thoughts, right. Mm -hmm. To be able to um, have a, a, a connection to self that you can't do when you're inside, you're just, just coping. I mean, not, <laughs> not that you have to leave the house necessarily. I mean, there's some people who can't, but just like I go out on my balcony a lot because mm-hmm. we have these big trees right there. We have plants on our balcony, um, you know, and then I try to get out for a walk as much as I can. But when I just need a breather, I'll just yes. go out there and just be like, okay, what is my brain just needs a moment to settle so I can actually think again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, most of the history, people haven't been as inside as we are now or as plugged in mm-hmm. and having electricity and all of the rest of it. So it's, I think it's a natural need for, I think there's more to it than just the, what we see, you know, I think like forest bathing and earthing, and there's more to it that's happening that's supporting our physical being in addition to just feeling better, you know, or what we might not understand. We might not understand how it works, but I can feel it that what's happening, you know, the energy that's out there that we're sharing when we're breathing in that way. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Um, so you do, uh, you have your cards, you have your nature, you have your painting. What do you do um, that helps you heal the most of so that healing modality that you use for yourself? I think the combination of painting and poetry. A lot of my paintings have a poem that go with them and vice versa. So a lot of times they kind of feed one another. So I might be painting and then some words might start coming up and then I go back and that might change the painting and it's kind of like a dance between the two. And so a lot of times by the end I have, or maybe I finish the painting and I set it there and then I listen and I explore it and a poem might come forth that way or a message. It might not be in a poetic kind of form, but it some kind of message. So it's a, it's a combination of the word play and the visual painting mixed media play. And working with those together stories unfold and it's a place, you know, way to explore and be able to even reclaim in some ways 
words or ideas or symbols that maybe didn't, you know, I might want to change what they have mean for me or tell my story in a new way. So both of those help me to do that. Yeah. And I have to agree, like for my own self, journaling is a huge part of what I do. And I often journal before I paint and uh, sometimes after, because, you know, things come to you and all of that. Um, but just to get into that flow mm-hmm. and, and the two together work really well for me as well. Um, you have a book coming out. Is it on a similar topic as that? Um, it is a combination of those two. It is an example of one of those. So it, it came, it was inspired by a collaborative painting that I did with an artist from Germany. And then that inspired a poem that I wrote partly inspired by the painting and partly with found words from seed and garden catalogs. And then, so that's another, you know, collecting inspiration kind of source. And then it flowed into a poem that was in like 2016 that has been kind of growing and encouraging me since, and now it's turned into a book and it's a little different than any that I've seen. There might be others out there like it, but I was thought I was going to work on a poetry book with paintings with several. And instead this one wanted to kind of shine on its own and be an entire book. So it grew and expanded and got rearranged a little bit so that it has several verses to fill the entire book, all inspired by nature and blooming. It's called born to bloom bright. And each verse is paired with a painting And instead of just doing my own art, I invited several other artists from around the world. So that made it a community garden, kind of, you know, a bouquet of artists. And it added a lot of abundant energy and variety. So I'm really excited about it. And that's coming out in just a couple weeks this month, October. I love that. I just, I think that's amazing. I love collaborative works anyway, Mm -hmm. but then having the sort of the written word and the, the create that Britain's not creative, but, you know, your painting and your, your words come together. And then to Mm -hmm. expand on that, to include others is just beautiful. I love that. And it started with that collaborative energy in the very beginning with a painting we had mailed each other. I had mailed her some kind of halfway finished pieces and she mailed me some halfway finished, you know, just some pieces she was working on. And then we each finished the one that we had, what we had received. So that's how it started. And that collaborative energy just kept supporting it really and growing in ways. And I have a proof copy here. If you want to see a quick, I would love that at it. So this is not the final. So it says, you know, not for resale across the front, but this is, this is it. And I'm not going to listeners. You'll have to go to our YouTube channel to see it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And this is a page that's mine. And so I also invite on this one, you can see that I've written, I've added doodles that are not in the printed copy. And I invite readers to do that so that the collaborative energy continues. They get to add their own marks and doodles and verses and lines. So I didn't have, I couldn't cover every flower and every plant that exists in all, you know, in this amazing planet. So if they have favorites that I have neglected to include, they can add them themselves. So they don't have to, it's full as it is, but there's a place and an invitation to do that. If people want to do that. I love that. So even more collaborative, right? Mm -hmm. Because then you're inviting the people who are reading it to tap uh, into their voice, bring in their, you know, memories and whatever supports them at the moment. So 
keeping it going. Well, when, when it is up and available, we'll make sure we add the link in right, for everybody. And um, I'm assuming it'll be available on Amazon if people yeah. are listening to this. And mm-hmm. yeah, your work just sounds like amazing what you do. And I love the, cl- I love collaborative work. So, you know, <laughs> but if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? <laughs> We're talking about collaboration. <laughs> Cooperation would be a big part of it because I was raised in very competitive kind of mindset and, you know, with, I was top of my class when I graduated and I've kind of had to heal in a way from that motivation because I don't want it to be competing. And even doing this book that there was a little voice inside that said, okay, we're, if you invite all these people, you know, what if they also offer classes and what if somebody wants to buy their art instead of yours and all those, you know, what I have been kind of trained and raised to think. And then the other side of me was thinking, yeah, but <laughs> look at all the synergy and the symbiotic potential. And I thought about companion plants in a garden and how they can enhance one another and support one another. And that's what I'm feeling with it. And I'm focusing on that aspect because that's something that I want to put intentional energy towards choosing that way of collaborating, of cooperating, of working together, you know, in nature, there are so many apples on a single tree and so many kinds of apples and all of that kind, you know, so many tomatoes and so many different types of roses. And there's, we can appreciate them all and there's room for them all. And so that, that appreciation and cooperation, more of that, I want to, I want to, and so I'm trying to be part of that, you know, and initiate that and work towards that more. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I talk to a lot of, a lot of women and there's so many that are afraid that people are going to steal their ideas. Mm -hmm. That people are, if I work with other people, they're going to take something from me. But even if they, you know, uh, I'll do air quotes here, steal your ideas. (laughs) um, They're not you. They're not going to execute it in the same way. They're not, you will never replicate something completely because Mm -hmm. you are not the same person. And that's what I love about collaborations. I work with so many people who work with healing with creativity, Mm -hmm. right? And we all do it slightly different. And people, I think that collaboration allows people to find what works best for them, allowing Mm -hmm. us to help even more people. Yes. And, and that's what I love about it. Same here. And it's, there's an abundance mentality that comes along with that. And that mindset is important too, because there's, when I step outside my door, I look down, there's edible stuff right below me that I don't even realize, you know, that I've taken for granted because I don't know it. I haven't been trained and raised to provide for myself right from the ground, but it's there. That abundance is there. That plenty is there. And we don't recognize it when we don't, when we're going to the grocery store and having to buy our, you know, whatever it is. And so we start feeling, it starts feeling smaller and smaller and like there's less and less available. And so I think shifting to recognize that when we work together, that collaboration, bringing all that together is an abundant thing because we have our different ways, like you said, and bringing that in, it's not, it's only in increasing and expanding our options and our abilities to create together. And, you know, we can do so much more that way. We can 
and it's not so much necessarily about achievement. I think productivity gets a little bit overblown in as a goal. Um, but in our way of interacting and the, you know, just kindness. And I think of kindness in two different kinds of definitions that we are of the same kind, we're of the same species. And then the, you know, type of acting kind, our behavior. And when we do that, then that collaboration makes, can make a lot more sense because we can feel that and increase that. And to me, that's a, seems like a healthier way to work and live and play and (laughs) all of the above. I love it. I love it. So (laughs) I think it's healthier. It's healthier for me, for sure. Mm-hmm. Now, you did touch on this a little bit when you started talking about, you know, comparing yourself and your, your book to other people's work and what they were doing. And that's imposter syndrome. And I know we all struggle from it. Um, how do you work through that? It was really strong when I first started sharing publicly. And it was partly because I think there's a huge focus on this idea of being original. And so I can remember one time having a painting in front of me and there was a deer on it and I gave it elephant ears. It was just something ridiculous, you know, but it was showing me how we don't have to always try to be different or unique or create something ridiculous in order to be that we do share a similar language. Like we all see deer similarly. So if I paint a deer, it's okay. Even though a million other people have painted a deer, you know, and recognizing that common ground, that it's okay to have a similar source. And if looking at that original as being from an origin, a source, our planet is, we live in on the same planet. We're sharing the same environment or similar, you know, and some of us are going to be more different than others. If some of us live in a tropical environment or some live here and that part of what inspires our work. So there's, it's okay to be as weird or as different as you want to be or not. And that giving, telling myself that both of those are equally okay has given me the freedom to just, instead of worrying about what anybody else is doing, say, I'm going to follow my interests, my curiosity, my wonder, my love. What do I love? What, you know, serenades me, what makes me excited and what do I appreciate and focusing on those instead of comparison. And if we happen to be harmonizing and speaking a similar language, well, then maybe we can actually communicate. That's okay. (laughs) I love that answer actually, because it's so true. Right. And, and we get so caught up in Try, either trying to be exactly like somebody or trying to be so different from somebody mm-hmm. when we just need to be ourself. We just need to be ourself and let our own work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. I, I see and this our so story, our environment, all of that becomes part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people worry about it so much. It's a constant conversation on social media, mm-hmm. on, on the artist groups and stuff like that about, you know, copying work or doing yeah. the same thing or, and it's like, that's a great way to learn techniques, but ultimately you have to just let it flow from you. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's, and, and sometimes and it may look like somebody else's, but it's still your work. Well, and I think there's a place for, if, for allowing what inspires you to be part of your language, you know, we're not all going to choose the same 
other people or music or whatever that inspires us. And that's another thing getting your inspiration from, if you're a visual artist, getting your inspiration from non-visual or, you know, not always, but incorporating lots of different types of inspiration and then lots of different teachers. If you're learning from teachers, I think I, for me, that's been useful. And I always encourage my people in my classes, the same kind of thing. They're free to, t- to make theirs look as much like mine or as different as they want. You know, like there, mm. there's no rules there. There's nothing off limit. They're taking a class from me. Of course they can do, you know, if they took that class, maybe they wanted to learn to do something I did and that's okay. <laughs> but at the same time, I do it in a very intuitive way and ask and try to guide in a lot of prompts and questions that help you get in touch with what you're, you know, it's rarely going to look that close to mine. For example, like this behind me, which I know people listening won't be able to see, but it's for my art as an altar class. So I'm encouraging people to collect things to put on the canvas as if it's an altar things that, you know, so what would you put on an altar? What is that important to you? What's going to speak to you is going to be totally different than what speaks to me, you know, it might be the same, but it might, it's probably going to have a different variate, you know, different combination of things. And if we're collecting things from collage, then that's also going to be different because what I found is not going to be what you're going to find. So our source material, our color choices, all of those things make it yours, even if it's similar. So learning from others and also letting yourself, you know, lots of different people, if you're in that process of learning techniques, but then always including your story, your inspiration, your preferences, you know, what sing you want your heart to sing you, and how do you do that? That's going to be, might be similar to who you're learning from. It might be different, but as long as you're trusting that, then I think anything goes. <laughs> so true. It's so true. When I was teaching in person, you know, I would often like have some samples of, of different things up front, but it was like, okay, what, what inspires you and take those pieces. And, you know, I, I, I hated to lead a step by step by step because it's like, right, let's, let's just play a little, let's see what, yeah. what shows up. And I, I much preferred those classes over the, it's going to look exactly the same as mine at the mm-hmm. end. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's more fun in my opinion, but yeah. different people have different styles and some are going to be more attracted to the step-by-step and that's fine. That's not going to be my style. And so they're going to find, you know, someone else who's going to be for that, that way. But I also think about music and people remixing, you know, so if you're kind of composing, you're remixing what is coming in from all the different sources, you're making your own remix and, and it might have little bits of another one, you know, thrown in that's recognizable, but that's, that's, it's still going to be your own version. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Right. And, and I think those step-by-step classes are wonderful for learning technique, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's not really what I do now, but I've done that and Mm -hmm. I've taken lots of those classes to learn technique as well. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, yeah, but I think when we can get through that imposter syndrome, we can start to move into our own, our own Mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you you are full of um, sort of wonderful information and uh, ways to live and all of that. So is there 
some a quote or a motto that you live by that inspires you? Within, this is my own. I'm going to give two answers. One is my own and that's, and I've shared it before with the year of color group and things, but it's play makes possible Mm -hmm. instead of practice makes perfect. And that to me is like an invitation to explore, to experiment, to play. And doing that is where I usually find that the discoveries come from, you know, the happy accidents or or new ways, fresh ways of mixing this color and that color or whatever. And if we're practice is it's part of practice, but if we're with a certain goal, we are kind of like narrowing our path and we're excluding all the other possibilities. So I like play makes possible as my twist on that. And it's supported me since for years, you know, at least a decade. And then I have a song because I tend to think in songs. So rather than a quote, I was going to share a song. It's called, uh, I think it's beauty in the world, but the line is there's beauty in the world. It's by Macy Gray. And whenever I start to feel, you know, like when I have a hard time seeing it, or I'm feeling a little down, that is a good pick me up for me. So another thing I might do is get up and dance and try to shake off whatever is the funk. (laughs) The other day I put on a funky, I just looked up funk music, you know, for a Pandora station. I didn't know any of the music, but I sure had fun dancing. (laughs) So there's beauty in the world is one of my kind of motto mantra songs. I have a mantra music playlist that I share with email subscribers and that's on it. One of the, one of the many. I love that. I love that. And I see here you have a free gift, uh, Beauty of Imperfections video and free playbook. So we'll make sure the link is there for everyone to check that out. Is there anything else you'd like to add that we haven't discussed today? The last thing I want to talk about briefly, and I think we've covered it, but just to kind of clarify, is about mindset and messages. And one of the things on the back cover of the book that I ask is, what if the stories we tell are like prayers or magic spells. And that's, you know, tapping into whether we're painting or writing the power of the stories that we're telling. And to me, that's both about the mindset that we're kind of nourishing, nurturing, you know, choosing the awareness and the messages. And so as part of creative living, I think that's one way that creativity can support us as we kind of create co-create our lives within, you know, the situations and environment that we find ourselves. So I like, it's just a fresh way. That's kind of part of what the book is about is it has mostly I am statements in a, with followed by something mostly positive, although it's not, it, it has room for kind of a little bit of all of you. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily have to be all rainbows, although there is a page about that. (laughs) Um, There's also, you know, some cacti, so it's okay to feel a little prickly sometimes too. And in an oasis that can be, you know, they can be strengths at different times. Right. But the point of it is to just be cognizant of the stories that we're telling and to choose them with intention with care, you know, and following, putting pot more positive statements after I am can help us to reclaim. I think some of our worth, if we have any kind of wounds around that, which I know for myself, I did 
and I can mostly only, you know, write and speak to my experience. So I love that message. I love that. That's, I think it's so important. I work a lot with those affirmations, those I am statements and how we speak to ourselves. The, even on a daily basis, you know, how much negative energy are we putting into our day just in the way we speak to ourselves? Yeah. And yeah. It's so and even important. like I'm getting over having being sick and even what I've, you know, I've been catching myself talking about how I'm feeling and I don't want to affirm that feeling and maybe it helps and maybe it doesn't. I can't, you know, I don't know for sure. My mom tried that kind of stuff when she was ill and it didn't fix. She still, we, you know, it didn't solve everything. It didn't get rid of the cancer, but that doesn't mean that you don't give it a, to me. I I still think it's worth trying because if it makes me feel better at the time, instead of having a pity party for myself, then that's, I'd rather do that. Occasionally I let myself, I notice I catch myself in, you know, when I'm there. And if I do it with awareness, I can say, okay, just get it out, get it out, you know, have it, have at it. At least then I'm recognizing it and I can move on. So I love that. It's so true. I, I do that every so often. And I'm like, can just stop trying to cheer me up? Cause I want to feel miserable right now. Just, like, <laughs> just give me 10 minutes to feel miserable and I'll come back. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I mean, that's part of accepting self-acceptance, right. And being able, if we squash it all, what my kids say is that I'm going to blow up. Like there's going to be an eruption <laughs> because yeah. I let, you know, I just let too much it build and build and build and build if there's some frustration or whatever. So learning to not do that so that we can not be the volcano, you know, <laughs> can help. which is what we see in our society, right? The anger yeah. and all of that, because people yeah. are, 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 have been taught to suppress. Mm-hmm. So let's just feel through our emotions. I think it's so important. That's another thing I thought while I was writing the book and that I kind of learned from it was I had to think about what is my, how am I sharing my message with the world? And there are some who are so strong and bold. And then there are others who are, have a different kind of method of doing that. And I recognize that mine's kind of a combination of soft and strong because I resonate with inviting people rather than challenging people. I, I notice a difference. If I challenge that feels kind of instigative and there's a, there's a different feeling than if I invite someone to explore these ideas, I'm not telling you, you should believe them. I don't know if they're going to work for you. Everybody has their own path and way, but when we can do that, if we can share in that way with like a healthy room for everybody to kind of have their own experience. Mm-hmm. I just, I think that there's a difference in doing, in doing it that way. And that doesn't mean that that's for everybody, but I learned that that was my way, you know? And so I, I decided that was okay. I didn't have to put the maybe boldest picture in there that I was uncomfortable with, you know, and I learned, I had to think about that. Why was I uncomfortable with that? And was it my conditioning? Was it the stories that I'm still, letting drive or was it something different? And I recognized that it was that, that there's okay. It's okay to be soft with a message too. You can be both strong and soft. You don't have to hit someone over the head with it. (laughs) So I felt more comfortable that with that, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that. I want to thank you so much for being here today. 
I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I always enjoy these conversations. I'm so glad I was able to be here and feeling well enough to be here. And I would love to hear from people if they want to join the conversation and chime in, you know, either in the, I don't know if you share comments with this or they can, if they sign up for my newsletter and then want to hit reply, I'd be glad to hear from people that way. Yes, that's wonderful. We'll make sure all your links are there uh, so that they can do just that. So thank you, Larissa. To our listeners, we'll see you again next time. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day. Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.